so that's my oldest getting married, that's Allie. And then on the end, uh, next to Ron, next to me is Aaron, and she was the high jumper at uh, Liberty University. She married a guy. Now I'm thinking about it, he's not in the picture, but uh, she married a guy, uh, uh, javelin thrower. They weren't so, married yeah. yet, so they yeah, didn't they weren't married here yet. And then she got married like a month later. <laughs> And then, uh, then my daughter, Emily, she's going to save the planet. She's the only one that didn't do business. And she's on the end, and uh, she's studying at, at um, University of Nebraska. Nebraska. And she's doing environmental science. But, uh, but at the wedding, the reason I, I want to show you this next one, hold on for a moment. Uh, go ahead, yeah, put this up. Is all of a sudden, you know, we're doing this wedding, and, you know, I, I can, I'm just, you know, I, I, I walked her down the aisle, and then I did the switch, and I did the wedding, so they, she wanted me to do it. And then I, I look and I see, you know, there's Jody with this guy. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know this guy. <laughs> He's not a relative. He's not a family member. Like, like, who is this guy walking my wife down the aisle? <laughs> and I'm looking at this, look at this guy looks like a model on GQ. I'm like, this guy is a stud. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I mean, I'm trying to do it. Like, what is happening here? And so if you ever see this guy, please tell me, because I never saw him again. And it's who Josh, is that guy? Yeah, it's Josh's cousin. <laughs> yeah. I, we don't have any boys. So. <laughs> and so Jody wanted to, to pull I it didn't, Hey, somebody else set it up. I just no, went, rolled with it. Oh, my gosh. Stop <laughs> it. Well, you're, you guys are you're cracking me up. But uh, obviously, we are um, kidding. And um, But... Um, but let me begin by this. We want to talk about our last session is about communicating respectfully. And so we want to go through several uh, verses with you. I remember um, when uh, the kids, we were putting them in the car. This was when we had, uh, what the heck, it was probably um, a Ford Expedition. And the kids are all young. And we're, heading, we're making the long drive from Chicago all the way to Hilton Head Island. That was one of our favorite places to go. And so, we're, so we got him in the car, and so, you know, we're, I don't know, six hours in, and, and literally, I pull up, I see this car in front of me, and it's got, like, like spots on it. And I'm like, what? The, I've never seen a paint job like this. I'm like, what is happening? And then, so I pull up to it, and I, I literally, I'm not kidding you, it was bird crap. It was bird, I mean, from bumper to bumper, this thing, I'm just like, where was this guy? So I can't stop laughing. I mean, this is the funny, back to junior high, this is the funniest thing I ever saw. So I said to the girls, you know, so the girls are kind of in the back, and I said, look at this card. I would speed up, and I'm like pointing it out, and, and they're all laughing, and, the, and then I'm like, look at that crap car. That's the crap car. That's the crap car. And I'm just like, that's the crappiest car I've ever seen. And that car is full of crap. And I mean, I just, you know. And then my, my middle daughter, the high jumper, she, our middle daughter, she says, Dad, she said, are you saying now that we can use the word crap? Uh, of course, or she the, says and, it and, while he's laughing. And, and she says, because mom doesn't let us say that word. And there was no pulling it back at that time. He's like, yes, So yes, I'm, I'm laughing, and, it. it's a, yes, and, and then so for the rest of the vacation, we went to the crappiest motel. We ate oh. at the crappiest restaurant. <laughs> that was the crappiest movie we've ever seen. Dad, the beach was crappy this weekend, isn't it? And, um, but words have meaning, don't they? And they certainly do. And whether what you choose to say, what you don't choose to say, it makes a big difference. So this is about communicating respectfully. And Jody and I like to call this session the Ten Commandments of Healthy Communication. So we're going to bust through them quick, but we're going to put them up on the screen. 
And these are things that as we communicate, you know, oftentimes communication is the number one issue that people will come and say, we have a problem with communication. Now that's sometimes the easiest thing to say, but at the base we've learned that we don't always communicate. And even the longer that you've been married, you take for granted and you don't use your words precisely. So the first one is thou shall speak truthfully. That's the first thing we'll put up on the screen is we gotta be truthful with each other truthfully and lovingly. And so in Ephesians chapter four, we're gonna get a few of these from Ephesians. We're gonna turn over to James, which is a real familiar verse, but it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 15, rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together and equipped. And then it goes on to say, which when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So interestingly, speaking the truth in love is about communicating in a loving way, and it grows you and matures you. And in the context of Ephesians 4, I know you guys know this because you're Bible students, you're growing the church in love. And so as we speak to each other in love, the truth without grace, one writer says is brutality. It's just brutal. That's what Warren Wiersbe writes. And he says that truth without grace no, all love Grace, and no truth. Yeah, all, all love and, and, and no truth is hypocrisy. So all truth and no love is brutality. All love and no truth, it's, it's hypocrisy. And, and so we just got to have that right. Jesus was that perfect balance. So it's our job and responsibility in marriage to speak truthfully and to speak lovingly. And it's really important that we do this. Let me give you some communication stats that you're not going to believe, but it just shows that we're not communicating enough to reach this maturity. The average married couple communicates only 27 minutes a week. That's what a national statistic says. That's four minutes a day. This study also said that they exchanged the most words on the third date. I don't remember our third date. Does anybody remember the third date? I don't know where they got this. And then the year before they got divorced, that's when they talked the most. And I'm sure that that wasn't a gentle communication style. So that's what people say. It's we got to speak truthfully. We got to speak lovingly. And thou shalt choose their words carefully. We got to be really careful with what we say. And so Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only what's good for building up as it fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear. And so, Joe, why don't you just share a little bit about that, what it means about tearing down yeah. and about, you know, building up. Yeah, so the, the first thing I notice in that verse when it says, no corrupt talk, but only such as good as for building up, um, the contrast there it really jumps out at you. So starting, start with the good, okay, only words that build up. You probably know people. There's probably people right in this room where, they are they are natural encouragers. I can remember even when we were first Christians, there was a couple gals that they were just so friendly. There was a there was a um, a married couple, the Menconis, and they were so nice. I remember I used to think, are they really for real? Like I don't even <laughs> how do they come up with so many nice things to say? But you know what? It was the test of time. Was these are people that were just yeah. masterful at encouraging. Those are building up words. So that's what I how I would start to try to train myself. What is that? What what is the, what are they talking about here? Um, things like you know you're such a good provider. Boy, that was really thoughtful. Um, that meant so much to me when you did this. Um, it doesn't have to be a lot, but building into your communication 
encouraging words. And we, that's something we can learn. Some people are natural, but they, I, I think they're intentional as well because they really are looking for a way to encourage the people around them. Um, when we encourage people, it gives them courage. And so that's one of the reasons we want to do that. The next thing that it says, or really the first thing it had said there was no words or no corrupt talk. So we would call those tearing down words. That's the opposite of the building up words. And some of us, um, good or bad, uh, some of us are still defined by the words our parents used with us, how they described us. Um, a good friend of ours, uh, Mike Clancy, he's in his 60s now, but if you asked him, you know, what his, his childhood, he'll tell you, you know, my dad told me I was never going to amount to anything. And here he is, 65, and he's still, those words are just there. And what that did for him, in his case, um, it's going to do one of two things, either you'll have somebody with no ambition, in his case, it drove him to success. He set his life on, I'm going to prove him wrong. And that was what his life was all about. And he would also tell you that it cost him his first marriage. Yeah. Um, and so there's three kind of things. Um, yeah, well, there's three kinds of words that we kind mm -hmm. of talk about. It's like, mm -hmm. so if you if you take notes, these are three things. There's words to cut out, there's words to change out, there's words just to call out. Mm -hmm. So cut out is pretty obvious. Jody just went, you know, I think we can say we don't have to go through the obvious, but lies, insults, profanity, you know, less obvious, interrupting. I mean, there's Words things start that... start with C. No, yeah. <laughs> but, but we got to cut out. And then change out, it's words that we talked about last night. Always, never, only. These are the words that stir the spot, pot, and, and they don't settle or calm the storm. And so the words that we need to, you know, um, change out are, you, you know, it's like so cut, cut out, it's like change out, and then call out. That's when we need to give permission to our family, to just, or friends, or your brother, or your, you know, people that are close to you that, that really can do, that, that, that can call those things out. I remember, uh, I'll tell you another vacation story. So our kids, we got our kids in the car, and um, it, the, like the couple days before, we had this big conversation, and Ephesians 4.29 is kind of like a, a memory verse that we used with our kids at a young age, and you know, Emily was really small, but you know, the two older girls, you know, we're like, guys, we want you to learn to grow and you know, help each other to communicate respectfully to your friends and when they're around. And so we taught them this verse, great verse, and then this is what we said. Maybe you can try this with your kids. Is we said, if if you're kind of walking on thin ice, you know, you're with your sister at school, and you know, she's saying something, just say 429. Just give a little, that's our little code language. That's Zapia code language, 429. You know, or maybe you go, you know, you're kind of on thin ice here. You know, you better pull it back a little bit. And that's just the, hey, you know, maybe you just walk that back. You're getting a little, you know, so 429. So, like I said, a weekend goes. We go on a vacation. We're on another trip. And Emily's in the car seat, and she can barely talk. And, I mean, the two other girls are asleep. And so, you know, Jody and I were talking and talking about family and talking about church and Next thing you know, I mean, what happens is, you know, we get, we get a little on thin ice, let's just say, and then all of a sudden I hear out of the back seat, out of the car seat, 429. <laughs> and I'm like, I, those are like her first words. She didn't say mommy, dad, 429. She's like calling us out. And, you know, all kidding aside, it was like, what the heck? You know, and, and that young one, we make fun. How many youngest we got in here? Anybody? Who's the youngest in their family? Okay, all the selfish ones, put your hands up. Youngest right there. And beat your own drum. It's like whatever. And, but uh, she's still calling us out. But, um, but that's a, a, a good reminder that, 
hey, there's words that we need to choose our words carefully, and some need to be cut out. And you know, I'm not going to ask you to write them on the page, but maybe you can't write them there because they're not good words. And but honestly, it, it takes a lot, and there's words you could change out that, man, I get to do things differently. And give the permission to call each other out is really important. Yeah, and two things um, with that is you, Ron did make a big point when we, we were teaching that to our kids, and we said we, can, we need to help each other with this. He made a big point of saying, that includes me and your mom. Like, mm -hmm. we need help with this, too. And that's just a principle, like, you know, Model with, 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 your, with kids. your kids. And, and they will. They'll, they'll, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll call you. you out. Yeah, they'll and call the other you thing out. I thought of is on, on the change out, like the words like always and never. I mean, <clears throat> we think it, you know, like, oh, he never does this, always does this. If you peel that back a little bit, the way to rephrase that and changing it out, one thing would be something like, um, hey, could you please help me? I'm feeling overwhelmed. Because if you think about it, that's what's behind that, right? Yeah, like they're right. always doing this or they're never doing that. It's it's something that's kind of, it's, over, it's becoming overwhelming to you, right? And so that's another way to, as you're trying to change those things out, try to peel it back to what it is, um, that's that's going on and then state it more like that like hey could you help me i'm feeling overwhelmed instead of you never help me you know yeah. and that's what i'm trying to say so that's when you're thinking about changing words out well and the next thing too is if we look right in verse 30 what we see is we see the next commandment thou shall follow the spirit wholeheartedly and so this has always struck me after that 429 and again maybe apply that in your own home or in your own life that that I want to speak encouraging words that build up. But then look at the next verse. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Now, that's really interesting to me and because and even studying the Holy Spirit, like it just sometimes we pull the verse out of context. I mean, here we're talking about grieving the Holy Spirit right after we're talking about our speech. So let's take this verse apart. Day of redemption means the day that we're going to meet the Lord. So theologically speaking, let's put our theology hats on for a moment. So this is teaching that you have the Holy Spirit. Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. He says that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit at the point of conversion. So the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, that's God's guarantee in you. That's that God wants you to change. He's given a piece of himself so that you can. And when it says sealed to the day of redemption, that means the Holy Spirit's never leaving you. You have the Spirit of God in you. So what happens? We're sealed with it. It's a picture there. Well, the Holy Spirit can be grieved by what we say, what we don't say. That's the other thing, too, is that sometimes what? Um, the things we don't choose to do, that's what it says in James chapter 4, is the things we choose not to do that we ought to, it, it's sin. And so we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And what does it mean to grieve? Well, I think we've all lost a loved one or pet that we love and you know you know it's like you're just you can't function it's just like man you're just you know you're not normal it just takes you a while to you're inactive and so you're making the spirit inactive if we're not doing what if we're not speaking in a way that's honorable to our spouse and we don't want that so we want to follow the spirit we want to be led by the spirit we want to be as the bible says in ephesians chapter 5 we want to be filled with the spirit we just allow the spirit to permeate every point of our being. So those are the important things that is, is really, you know, for us to be filled with the Spirit so that we can follow the Spirit and not grieve the Spirit. Why? Well, the right words versus the wrong words are tragic. You know, you can't pull them back. I love what Mark Twain wrote. He said, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. 
I mean, that's the thing, though. We can just, you know, how carefully are we choosing our words? And then, so the next yeah. one. So the fourth commandment is, thou shalt listen intently. And so the next um, few, next three, we're going to get right out of James chapter 1, verse 19. It's a familiar verse. Um, and this is how it reads. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear. And then I'll just stop there because it, it clearly gives an order. And it says, be quick to hear. So quick to hear means being attentive. Um, I have three A words. Be attentive, be affectionate, and be affirmative. Um, for attentive, what I'm thinking is things like, you know, put down your phone when you're having a conversation um, that's important to, to you. Um, or maybe it's important to your wife, but if you are holding your phone and looking at it, you're communicating that it's not right. important to you. So put down the phone, turn off the TV, make eye contact, or sometimes don't make eye contact. <laughs> like sometimes in the car, it's better. And you'll, you know, anyone who's got kids that, and, um, that maybe don't normally uh, are real expressive, but you'll get in a car ride and all of a sudden they're talking and you're talking and you're not looking at each other. So um, either well, way, that could go either way. Well, studies have been done. Research has been done. You can look this up for yourself that, you know, specifically with men, that we're better communicators when we're doing something. And so think of a car ride, you're looking, you know, ahead or going on a walk or the, literally you can communicate more effectively when you're not just doing this. Okay, let's talk. Like this is intimidating. Yes. Yeah, it's just like, you know what I mean? I get my eyes off and I can kind of free roll a little bit. And, but it's interesting that, that studies prove that. Yeah, and I also had don't look at your watch, but I'm yeah. <laughs> when you're talking, I'm kidding. But um, but that does communicate something to you, like hey, I gotta go. But I, sometimes you need to. So um, so be attentive, be affectionate, and I wrote here like look interested, <laughs> even if you're not look interested. And um, and I, another thing you could say is as you're listening to show that you are listening, you could say things like wow, I could tell that really you know that messed up your day, or I can tell that really hurt your feelings. Um, so adding things like that would be uh, an affectionate listening. You're, you're showing compassion. You're, you're listening, and you're also allowing yourself to feel what they're feeling. Another thing um, is be affirmative, yeah, and, and Ron has a theory. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, just prove me wrong here, but, I mean, there's something that, you know, you can just say just three simple words, and this is the recipe to great communication with your wife. The words are this. Write them down. Tell me more. Honey, tell me more. And, and I mean that, honestly, you're just providing a pathway. Tell me more. Now, ladies, when your husband's saying that, he really doesn't want more. <laughs> but he's saying that he does, and there's something called man talk. And I know everybody's going to agree with me, especially down here in the South, that what? That there's man talk, and we don't really want all the information. We'd rather read the headline. Anybody with me? I don't need all the detail. I just want to get to the point, and I don't want to mischaracterize all men. But I know for me, it's just like, you know, I don't necessarily want all the details all the time. I want some of the headlines. And I think that could cause some of the confusion, even knowing that about yourself. And so... It's it doesn't even have to, to the point that it doesn't even have to be correct, is what he said. <laughs> and I'm like, because this used to come up with preaching. Like, he, he'd tell a story, and he, he always kind of, I shouldn't say always, but. Yeah, there we go. Let me think here. Occasionally, the story yeah, yeah. is not quite exactly how, you know, I'll remember some crazy details that, that he glossed over or said differently. And um, so I used to tell him, oh, you know, but 
remember it was actually Aaron, da, 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 or it was da, 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 you know, and then that's when I kind of learned this thing is like, it doesn't matter. Like he's not lying. It's just man talk. Like he's trying to get to the point of the story. Like those details don't really matter. So then he go, Joe, it's not like lying. Yeah, it's just man talk. It doesn't mean like, let it go. Well, it's just like this. It's like, if you ever been with that couple, I hope this isn't you, where you're talking and you're trying to talk to them and they're trying to tell a story and you're having dinner with them and then, and then he says, and you know, she was, uh, we went to so-and-so place for restaurant. No, it wasn't there. It was the Mexican place. Well, she, 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 she she had a red dress on. No, nope, it was blue. I mean, you know what? I mean, I mean, it's just and and just ladies, just understand this: that those details don't matter to us. They just don't. And and it doesn't matter what color the dress is. What it is? It's the main point of the story that we're going for. That's the man talk that we're talking about. So um, get to the point and talk it through in such a way. I mean, just we're having some fun just to illustrate the fact that what that we want to be affectionate, we want to be attentive, we want to be affirmative with the things that we're saying and what we're doing. So the next one is that thou shall listen intently. That's what we're talking about. And the next one is that thou shall respond slowly. And so, you know, if we look at that middle of that verse, be quick to hear and be what? Slow to speak um, is what we want to talk about, is that we want to be quick in how we're hearing, but we want to be slow to speak. And I've learned... And, you know, more about being, you know, with, in our marriage, sometimes, and we're joking about this man talk, it's more about being heard than helped. That she just wants to be heard. And it isn't about all this, you know, it's just like, you know, that, 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 that's not, I, I don't have to fix it. And it's more about feelings than facts. It's more about the process than the result. It's more about assurance than the answer. She just wants me to be attentive. And, you know, that's why I'm joking, but I'm saying, tell me more. I've had to learn to say that. You know, tell me more about that. Even that sometimes I didn't want to know more. But it's like, I want her to be able to, you know, share those kinds of things with me. And so we've got to learn that we've got to just respond slowly. It's not always about solving, but listening. And, you know, what's funny now, as I told you, we're kind of in this different stage and you know, I don't want to mischaracterize all men are this way, all women are this way. I kind of feel like I'm turning into the feelings guy. And she's kind of the headlines person. And so I'm just like, hey, you know what? I mean, I want to know a little bit more about that. And, and you know, and, 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 and she's just cutting to the chase and, you know, telling me what to do. I'm like, come on, man, give it. And, but we've almost had a role reversal, which I think happens at times. But I don't know if we have this video or not. But uh, can you play this video that uh, you've probably seen this? Yeah, yes. but if you've probably seen it, but if you haven't, or even if you have, this is what we're trying to say. So let's play this. Do we have the volume? Oh, sound. That's, That's okay. I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. You have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. Sometimes it's like there's this achy 
I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of sweaters. <laughs> that sounds really hard. Which ones? What do we got? Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't. How many have seen that? <laughs> I mean, whether you've seen it or not, it is, it, it's pretty Thanks good. So, it, yeah, it definitely is, uh, is good. So, thou shalt respond solely. Next is in the verse from James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. Thou shalt calm down quickly. And at the end of verse 19, it says, slow to anger. And so that's what we need to do is, why? Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So just question, just, you know, we've joked about it a little bit, but, I mean, do you have a short fuse? I mean... Some of us do, and you know that's been a struggle that I've had, and I joke about it to say, man, it's you know Italian. I'm talking with my hands. I'm doing this, but you know I've had to identify the triggers, and Jody has certainly helped me to do that. And so this is you know real time discussion, man. You know, like this is the stuff that you know the triggers that I've identified are when you feel like people are expecting too much of you, and it's like that happens. I mean, it, you know, it's like honestly, you know, just even coming over here and. You know, we've joked about it. Hey, I was kind of anxious. I get really anxious. It's like I've got, you know, we do something a little bit different where we've got several locations around the Chicagoland area, and I'm kind of the main teaching guy. We have a team, team teaching concept where it's live preaching in all the locations, but it's the same message. That's my contribution is usually writing the outlines and giving a, a script that they can take and make it their own. And so I just, like, on, a, on Thursday or Wednesday, I feel like, man, I got to get that out to the guys because they're waiting on it. And, and it's just like, man, people are expecting a lot from me. And I've got a lot of responsibility. And that's a trigger for me to be overly anxious and to respond in a way that I'm going to regret when you feel let down or underappreciated. You know, it's like, in the home, hey, you know what? I mean, I've been doing all this. And that's the first thing you do. You come home, you say this. I, you, you know, when you, when you can't accomplish something. I mean, I, I'm feeling that right now. It's just like, um, this whole COVID, we're joking about it, but like, I, I just don't have the energy that I had. And I'm, I'm not able to go into meetings. I, like, it, you know, it's causing, it can cause frustration. And, and I, I would say women with kids too, like yeah. that you, you, you introduce these little ones into the household and then now all of a sudden you'll have days where you just, I remember Ron would come home sometime and go, oh, so what'd you do today? And he's just trying to have a nice conversation. And I was like, Okay, I didn't get anything done. I was supposed to get done. Like, the, all I can think of is everything I wanted to get done that didn't happen. And so that was like a trigger for me. It was right. like I had to finally just say, he wasn't trying to, he wasn't quizzing me on what I actually did. He just was trying to have a conversation, but well, it's real. When you feel pressured, you feel annoyed, you feel frustrated. I mean, mm -hmm. so what are your triggers? I mean, you know, those are the things to identify what's happening that's resulting in this behavior. And as a spouse, like, honestly, we've had, arguments about that you know what I mean it's just like to try to sit down and say you know no what is it that's happening in this moment that's bringing on this anxiety that's resulting in anger anger is not a bad thing it's an emotion it's not a sin to be angry it's what it's that you sin while you're you know when when it's happening or that what or that you um that that it's happening too much I mean you're you're most of us are probably not it's not righteous anger, it's unrighteous anger. So I think we gotta be really careful, you know? Uh, when you're tired, when you're hungry. I mean, hanger is a real thing in our home. There's one of our kids and one of us, 
that it, it's real. Just give them a sandwich, right? give them a piece of bacon right now, whatever it needs. I mean, I mean just that, it, but it's a real, real thing. So those are really important things. Let's give you the next one is this. That well, the, the cool thing about that verse is it really is like an equation. Um, it's, it's, it, um, so I'll read it again from the beginning. Know this, my brother, let every person be quick to hear. So it's quick to hear plus slow to speak equals slow to anger. So it's almost like an equation to help deal with getting angry in your conversations. Yeah. So let's finish up. Last three, thou shall humble yourself, themselves regularly, thyself. You know, and, and we've said this verse already, but what does it mean to humble? I mean, probably the best verse in that we were introduced when we first, you know, identify, you know, how did you contribute to the marriage breakdown? We already talked about this yesterday. Matthew 7. When it comes to marriage, you know, that we're talking about the specks and the logs. And, you know, I quoted it last, you know, last night that what? That, that you know, I've got to identify each speck and each log. And when it comes to marriage, your speck is always a log and your spouse's log is always a speck. I mean, that's the way we've got to look at it. And, you know, because, you know, first take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clear to take the log out of your brother's eye. And, and if we want to grow in this, we've got to humble ourselves. So I just ask you, and, you know, just in all candidness, you know, who's the first that says they're sorry? Who's the first that says, forgive me? Like, you know, it, those are the things that, man, we just got to get better and better at that. And that's going to draw you better at, at, with communication. Um, I remember it was recently, we were going to the health club, and Jody does a spin class. And so I started doing it. And so I do this spin class. And we do it a couple times a week. And um, I haven't been back since with COVID. But, but uh, we, you know, in our, when we were in our house and we're going to the spin class, and, you know, I usually go to work after and and so and I told her, separately. yeah, we drive separate. So I told her, I said, well, honey, I mean, you know, I don't know. I've, I've noticed when you go to the health club to Lifetime that, you know, you take a left on MDM when you should just keep going straight. And then, you know, when it comes to Butterfield, you 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 take the other through. And if you went on Winfield, it's 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 actually I mean, the speed limit is faster. And so you can get to the club a lot quicker if you would do it the right way. <laughs> and so she's just, you know, I could see it. it. The next morning, she gets up, I get up, the classes, I could tell it was on. She pulls out of the driveway left, I go right. I'm going my way, she's going, I'm telling you, if you were in my way, just get out of the way, because I was going, I'm like, I'm not losing this battle. So I get to the spin class, and I'm like, yes. And I walk in, she's over in the corner already. <laughs> And I thought to myself, what the heck? And so I learned that day that there's not always a right way and the wrong way. There's sometimes the scenic route, which I didn't realize I was taking, but I do take. <laughs> and, but and is it true, though, with our spouses, sometimes we can have these expectations. We thought, you know, the, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I know you don't say it's the wrong way, but we kind of, you know, it's like those always and never words. We, we kind of imply that my way is the best way or the better way. And it, it just, man, we're wired differently. And we do things different. I mean, there's no question about that. So thy, thou shalt humble thyself regularly and, and, and really stay humble. And the next thing is this, thou shalt withhold words properly. And we're in Matthew. I'm just going to share the next verse in Matthew. And it's interesting because this verse in Matthew, it's usually, normally it's applied to, um, to really evangelistic settings. And so, you know, 
It says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. And I know that is a verse that's applied towards sharing your faith if a person is antagonistic with you. But remember yesterday I said, you know, sometimes you just got to read the Bible. And I know that's the primary application, but I think it can apply in our relationships and marriage too. You don't have to win every argument. You don't have to prove every point. You don't always have to have the last word. I mean, those are things that, you know, we're two competitive people. You wouldn't know that. But sometimes the cost of winning is too much. That's what we've had to learn. I mean, in front of our kids when they were young. I mean, who knows that game Trouble? Have you ever played that game Trouble where you bounce the person back? Like, like our two kids, our three kids, we'd be playing that thing and we'd be at each other's throats. The kids are like, what the heck is going on? We had to ban that game from our house. <laughs> Sometimes the cost of winning, I wish I was joking, <laughs> is too much. And so two more things. Thou shalt seek help when necessary. I just want you to know this is so important. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there's no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors, there's safety. Hey, we all got blind spots. And, you know, your spouse is probably the best person to help you identify what they are if you'll listen or if you'll permit her or him to speak in. We all have strongholds. You know what they are, even if you're not admitting them. Hey, guess what? You know, I know we got a lot of young kids here, but you know, they, the kids know what's going on in the house. They, they do. And, and so we gotta identify the blind spots. We've gotta identify the strongholds. We all have rough edges, you know. Uh, there's generational sin that needs to be broken. I, I mean, we need to seek help, and sometimes that means doing what? That means you know going to a counselor. That means getting in front of people, like doing the conference. Like we're just proud of each one of you guys that you carved out the time to be here, and and that's going to help you. And you know we laugh now. You know this generation coming up, our, our daughter. It's like you know all her, her friend. They got coaches already. They got life coaches. They got counselor. Like it's like it wasn't like that for us. It was like you know you wouldn't admit when you went to a counselor. Now it's like oh yeah, I got a counselor for this. I got a counselor for that. I mean. Isn't it true? We just need help. And so we don't have to be embarrassed about it. We just need to seek help when necessary from the church, from outside the church. I mean, it's just really, really important. So the last one is this. Thou shalt purify themselves continually. And I love this picture that is painted in Matthew. Matthew 15, Jesus, he's talking about Jewish dietary restrictions. And he says, and he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles, but what comes out, that defiles a person. Now, he's talking about these restrictions, but then he goes to say, in verse 18, he's talking about a word. He said, whatever proceeds from our heart. And so it's always a heart issue. Prophet Jeremiah said our hearts are deceitful. You know, sometimes our hearts just need a power washing. And that's the gospel. That's, you know, we can't do this apart from him. So we need to purify ourselves continually. When you get it wrong, we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to come to each other. You know, the good news is that God will purify our hearts anytime, anywhere. We just need to humble ourselves before him and be honest before him. I love Proverbs 4, verse 23, last verse for our time together. Above all, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And that's a great memory verse. Man, we just got to guard our heart because everything is going to flow from that and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So um, that's it. That's it. We're, we're for this session. I mean, honestly, just to be thinking about, you know, how can we best help grow in our 
communication. And, um, you know, that's really what we're looking at. So let's do this. Let's take one more time out and end our time with that. And, you know, turn to your spouse and discuss this. Hey, out of these 10 commandments, well, which are the ones that, man, I really want to encourage you that we're doing this. And this is the one, you know, maybe just identify one in your marriage that, man, we just, you know, this is one we need to be working on.